This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans. And there it is. That's as good as it gets on this stage. Nissan Townstar EV strikes again. It's an unstoppable van. Unstoppable. Look, just fantastic. You can actually see the ProPilot technology in action. Effortless parallel parking. It moves with all the confidence that comes with a five-year warranty. And with a bench full of all-star van experts, there's real strength in depth here. That's all-star quality. Search Nissan Townstar EV and visit your local all-star van centre to see for yourself. Terms and conditions apply. Five years or 100,000 miles, whichever comes first. ProPilot is an advanced driver assist technology. Driver's responsibility to stay alert, drive safely and control vehicle at all times. The TalkSport Fan Network is proudly supported by McDelivery, bringing you the food you love. McDelivery brings a top-tier lineup of food right to your door. No matter the results, you'll always be winning with McDelivery. Order now on the McDonald's app and you'll get rewards points delivered too. So that ordering today means some tasty rewards for tomorrow. Only via app at participating restaurants. 18 plus rewards registration required. Points only on menu items, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. Hello and welcome back to the No and Ever podcast. I'm your host, Nathalie Bromley, and this week I am joined by the newly rejuvenated panellist, Robbie Coppack, who's back again, like buses, it's very exciting, um, and panellist Tom Winterker, and we look back at that result against Chelsea, and we look forward a little bit as to exactly where we are this season. Uh, so without further ado, let's go. Robbie, you're spoiling me. Two weeks, two appearances. I love it. Welcome back again. Um, I've got quite a lot to say. I don't know why. <laughs> I, think I think we've we've all got an opinion on where we're where we're at at the moment, and I think we all want to. Everyone wants to jump grieve on. and yeah, we all want to grieve and rant and you know get it off our get, get it off our chest. I've always found over the many years that we've done the podcast that listener numbers can either be, uh, they'll they'll spike either when we're doing phenomenally well. So obviously in the, the lead up to the championship last season, numbers were sky high or when we're doing really, really badly. There's almost like a, a need for therapy between us at the all jump on. Um, well, we've come on this evening because uh, we've obviously had an international break. We were a little bit down in the dumps post the Chelsea game. Um, it was a difficult afternoon for many reasons. So we wanted to have a little break as a team. Um, we talked about it. And we didn't know whether or not we were able to put out something that was worthwhile. And I think a lot of our listeners and ourselves included were a little bit jaded with having to analyse another heavy defeat against one of the bigger teams in the division. Um, we were very mindful that it would just come across as a little bit whining, a bit doom and gloom. So we decided to regroup we've talked a lot between us about the kind of position we think we're in as a club where we all are as fans and the kind of material we wanted to put out there so Robbie and I are going to have a little bit of an assessment of where we are um Tom's going to come in shortly he recorded us a, a piece directly after that Chelsea result so we might need to look at that with a little bit of a time stamp on it because uh it was in the immediate aftermath of the game but it's good to look back on that and feel how we'd felt um particularly about the mental side of our game. I think that's quite an important one that we want to address. Um, but we're going to look forward because this is, of course, our opportunity um, to get into that spell of fixtures which we've been looking forward to and they're the ones that are perhaps more winnable. So, Robbie, I'm going to give you the floor to start off with because you've got quite... Um, you've been listening to some other material and you've got quite a few points on... And please do credit those the material that you're going to... Um, talk from as well because we do like to credit here on the None and Ever podcast. Um, I guess take the floor. Where are we? How are you feeling? What's your general views right now? Let's see where we're at. I think there's definitely a cause for concern. I think the results in isolation to probably spread out across the season probably not unusual. Um, 
unnecessary pressure on games which we're sort of expected to not expected to win but expected to compete in um like the pressure going into the Luton game was ridiculous considering it was only mm. September um and it's sort of you're getting that same feeling going into Brentford at the weekend um and you certainly shouldn't be going into Brentford away needing to pick up a result um and I think that's that's where the concerns coming from I think we, I think the last time I was on, I sort of said that if we split the games in half, you know, for the first three to the last three we played, there's definitely been some some improvements. And I thought we were past this capitulation, mm. heads gone stuff. If we had lost against Chelsea, let's let's hypothetically say we lose that game two one after the penalty, and we sort of lose that game in the same manner we lost against United. We lose the game 2-1. I still think we go into Brentford with a little, little bit of optimism going into because of what happened again for the second or third time this season because it was literally Spurs at home all over again. Yeah. Where as soon as the, the second one goes in, it's, it's sort of like there's a brief reaction, but the heads are just completely gone. They don't know when to press. They're not pressing as a unit and it's just like there's gaps everywhere and Chelsea could have easily scored five or six on the day. Uh, so it's yeah, it's putting pressure on to Brentford. I think I sort of look at our next three: so Brentford away, Bournemouth away, Palace at home. I think we need to pick up a minimum of four points. Yeah, I think so too. And I think which we can. Palace, we can do, but we have to beat Palace at home. I think. Yes. I think that's a non not a non-negotiable that we have to beat Palace at home. Uh, it's not even just get a point. I think we have to win it just to get that psychological thing out of the way that we can win games at home. Robin, can I put this to you then while we while we talk about this? How much of an impact has the really unfortunate fixture selection had on us? And, and it, Because as you alluded to at the beginning of your piece, it's not unusual for us to lose against all five of those teams across the course of the season. And actually... Um, was it from the BL end? Is that who you said it was from the B? Yeah, yeah, yeah from the BL end podcast. Um, really great guys who they do a lot of really in depth analysis with things like that. They, you think you said that they'd looked at this and they'd looked at previous results against those teams in previous seasons, and they're the same. And it's not unusual for us to lose to Chelsea, um, particularly at home, but that and lose three one, you know, or lose by a big margin. But the problem that we've got is that all of these games have all come at once and they've all come back to back. And it's just, is it not just a case of we've just been really unlucky with the fixtures? The manner in which we're losing them, I think what's, I, I, like I said, if we had lost that game against Chelsea 2-1, I won't be that fussed. It's sort of like, oh, well, we, again, we, we, okay. they, they look, I think Chelsea look very well coached, to be fair. They look an awful lot better side than where the table suggests. That's true. Um, like I watched them against, they, they played Fulham at Craven Cottage before they played those, and they looked an awful lot better than again what results suggested. So whether it's just taking them a little bit of time just to get going a little bit on the Pochettino yeah. and stuff, and it they probably played us at the right time as well, and it's like right, okay, now they're on a roll. Um, but yeah, it's just the we concede. I don't know what Burnley's going to show up because they get Luton, it's like. And we responded straight away really well. And we responded pretty well when Forest equalised against us as well. But when the big hitters come, we seem to fold and capitulate and just don't seem to deal with it very well. So this suggests that there is a mental challenge from the player's perspective. Do you think that's fair? Um, again, the guys at the um from the Be All and podcast, they were talking about this Burnley squad haven't really had much adversity. No. Like we've not really had to deal with, apart from Sheffield United, where, again, that was another game where we seemed to capitulate, but we responded after that. We, I think we won, like, 10 on the bounce going yeah, straight did. after the World Cup. Um, And something, after listening to that, what I thought about is that, apart from Rotherham at home, Reading at home, we didn't really have to come from behind too much. No. And I think when teams did take the lead against us, they were they just sort of sat back and tried to defend with what, what they had. As at this level, 
when teams go ahead, they are fucking relentless and they don't stop. Like like we found out against Chelsea and Spurs, they just keep going and just relentless. Yeah. And whether it's just the mentality thing where we expect them to sit back a bit like what Man United did and let us have the ball and let, let us try and break them down. They don't, they just go, okay, we're going to go get three and four and five. Yeah, they kill the game off very quickly. And, and possibly a sixth if we have time. <laughs> yeah, we run out of time. But that's, that is a concern, particularly from a Burnley fan perspective, because we've had a decade where a team that's mentally very strong and has a resilience against any level of adversity was our trademark. And that's something that we've been very well known for. And fine, I accept that the DNA of this side has now moved on. And as a club, we were a different generation of players, managers, coaching and everything about us is different. But that was, we still have that, you know, it's, it's, it's disappointing to be known as mentally weak in that perspective. And I've seen it myself. And there's a lot of things that, that I think, impact on that it's a very young side they're a side like you say haven't been used to any level of adversity they're playing in a league that's unfamiliar um but also as well company isn't publicly anyway giving me any signs that he is giving that priority in terms of making them mentally resilient and tough to beat it seems to me that from a coaching perspective that how we deal with our in-game play is very much tactically with our feet and not necessarily with our attitude. Um, so that's a that's a massive culture shift for Burnley fans to have to get used to. I think on the diets we sort of got used to, got bored of it all. Like we when when that, the last few months of like diets we were dying for a bit of a revamp and a restructure and a, a, like we wanted a project. Yeah, and this is what we've we've got now, and it's sort of like we just have to sort of be careful of what we. This is what we asked for, so we can't really mourn too much. Um, but yeah, I, I think it's just literally what we were talking about before. It's just the uh, the manner of which we're losing games. It's just putting more and more pressure on these really, really young players, yeah. and it sort of puts question marks against our recruitment team, who have been really good up until like. Our hit right, our hit rate with our side has been positive. Um, apart from maybe Dara or Shea, I don't think there's many question marks about many of them. Yeah, I don't that's like, a... I, I don't like to. I don't, don't like want to single him out, but with no, question but marks. <laughs> I think my question mark is: it's like we brought him in. Improvements on like Luke McNally, no, who we sent out on loan to a Championship club, who. Who wants to be fighting for the top six? And he was in the playoff final last season and stuff like that. And it's sort of like, well, we if you well save got, the money, you might as well save seven million quid. And you've got a lad who's two years younger on the books already. Yeah, like, I appreciate Give him the exposure O'Shea. and increase that value of him. Yeah, I appreciate that Darrell O'Shea's got you know two, three years of Premier League experience and international experience and stuff. So I can understand, I understand the logic, but. It's not been a great start. And again, you sort of put question marks going, well, what, what's Luke McNally's role moving forward? Yeah. No, I, I think that's a really fair comment. I think, I think from my perspective, I don't, I, I don't, I'm not putting pressure on this team and I'm not putting pressure on the, on the manager either. And if we do go down this season, and let's be honest, the reality is, is that the three promoters sides probably will do. We're hoping to, to I think a lot of the the, the comments pre-season that Burnley would finish in the top half, I always thought were ambitious anyway, but it even looks that way now. I think if we do survive, we survive 17th and that's great. That's absolutely brilliant. We don't need to, to be any higher up than that. Um but I think I think for, and I think we keep hold of company if that happens, we keep hold of the squad as much as we can and we, we just keep trying again. What I want to see, though, is I don't want us to go down because of stupid mistakes. That are, you know, if we go down because technically we're not there yet and it's going to take a couple of years for this team to gel and for this manager to learn. We've got a manager who's never played in the... Uh, sorry, not played, obviously he has. Not managed the Premier League before, so he's learning as well. And I'm prepared to give them time as a project. But something like mental resilience, you don't... That's not 
a technical thing. That is an easy win. That is something that you, to me, that you can sort out in the changing room. So that's that's where I become disappointed and think, well, who's coaching that? Who's prioritizing that? Because that is something that you don't need to have a 50 million pound and an amazing left foot to be able to compete with. That's just sports psychology. Uh, what else there is to say? Um, yeah. I mean, yeah. It's, 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 it's sort of weird that we're in October. I feel a little bit demoralised. <laughs> um, yeah. I was, I was, I, you know, I want to like talk about like my day going. It's like we all travel like a fair distance and stuff. Like, you know, Tom comes from like Derby Way and George, if he's travelling up from like Bristol or Bath or wherever he's at. And I come from like Stockport and stuff. Yeah, and it's from like coast, so we. Yeah, all, yeah, it's like there's only you know, I think there's only Adam and and George uh, and, and Charlotte. I keep calling her George. I keep calling her sister. There's only Adam and, and Charlotte. I think you were local. Me, it takes me an hour to drive to Burnley a match day. I had to fill my car up, and sixty quid, and then you buy your food while you're there and stuff. I buy my dad's as well. That cost me like twenty quid. So I'm like yeah. nearly like I'm eighty eighty quid hundred pound out of pocket. See us get spanked four one again. <laughs> oh, I drive dear, home <laughs> and it's like it's like half seven when I got in. I was like, my Saturday's literally gone. Like I got nothing to show for this Saturday whatsoever. Thanks a lot, Burnley. Football's back. <laughs> okay, <laughs> and, listeners, I'm gonna I'm gonna caveat this by saying that of course that's what we all do, and of course we're gonna do it next weekend as well. But yeah, it it, it I, I do just a little bit, but it's a really valid point. It, it, it's, uh, it's hard. It is hard when times are tough say Abby as well she did say well at least it's the international break next weekend <laughs> she knew yeah I mean to be fair I think my other half is very much the same it's just like is there an international break thank god for that because then yeah. she's not going to sort but it is true we do have a we do have a sort so okay we talked about the mental game we talked about that before we move on to it to analyze a little bit of it I'm going to take a quick break from you listening to me and Robbie and I'm going to bring Tom in um Tom we asked somebody who felt up to it and Tom Blessing was the only one who answered the call because the rest of us were just like, whatever we publish is not printable. Um, so I'm going to decline to. And Tom just recorded a very quick piece for us to give us um, some thoughts on um, his reaction to the game. So let's hand over to Tom for a short while. Good evening. Uh, Tom here. Unfortunately, it's a, a bit of another blast of negativity after the Chelsea game. You'll have heard me rant about the Man United game. I was really unimpressed with that second half display in that game. And uh, once again, uh company sort of sent us out in the second half to play a lot worse than the first half. Um, another worrying trend, you know, that Chelsea second half really, really, I think I think everyone's come off that feeling lower than a snake's belly, really. And I know that I was probably in the minority after the, uh, the Man United game. I think people took positives from that. Uh, especially from the first half performance, but it left me thinking we're in real trouble this season and I've not really seen that much yet to change my mind since, particularly from my home form. Chelsea, like United, are not the team they were in recent years. It's easy to look at the fixtures and go, oh, Man United, Chelsea, you know, we can't expect anything from those games, but the way they're playing, the way they have played for, you know, a good year or so now and the results they've had against other teams who are going to be down there or certainly got more teams this season, it all tells you that we shouldn't be settling for zero points and, and particularly not in the manner that we got zero points against Chelsea. Uh, the team selection, I think, was a bit strange. I think everyone thought that when it came out. Um, why the need to make so many changes, especially when we've got an international break coming up. It's not as if there's a midweek game next week or anything. You'd think we'd be used to playing Saturday, Tuesday after last season. Um, the changes that were made, so... I could kind of understand Vitinho for Conor Roberts just because I don't think Roberts has been playing that well. He's maybe just trying to nullify Sterling's pace a little bit, but I think as we saw, it didn't work. I was surprised Vitinho got a new contract because for me, I don't think he's shown that he's good enough to play in the Premier League and he certainly show, <laughs> didn't show uh, anything on, on Saturday. He got absolutely roasted by Sterling. I don't think he got a lot of help from another slightly maybe surprising inclusion, Mike Trezor. I think in the first half, he did a bit of tracking back. He did a bit of defensive work. In the second half, he just completely tossed it off, walking up and down that right-hand side, not offering anything going forward, not offering anything defensively, constantly giving the ball away. So I do feel for Virginia a bit in that sense that he was exposed. But, um, you know, he, he, there's no excuse for diving in and giving away the penalty the way he did. Um, Odebert was another surprise inclusion, although you'd have to say he justified his inclusion a little bit more than Trezor did. 
uh, took his goal really well. I thought it's frustrating that yet again, just just like the United game, you know, we've got a uh, we've got the fullback on toast there. Korea gets booked for a bad tackle, just as Dallo did, and then never got run out again the rest of the game. Not causing him any problems, making it a nice easy second half for him. He's not had a good time at Chelsea, and he's playing out of positioning yet. We didn't exploit that situation at all, especially after he was on the yellow. So that was really frustrating. Um, yeah, and then the other big kind of selection, I can understand obviously Bay are injured, that's why Dale Quire played. Uh, Alderkill coming off at half time, now he was really poor for the goal, and I've seen people saying, oh, it's unlucky or whatever, it's not, it's just bad positioning. Um, but did it warrant being hooked at half time? I'm not sure, I think we were quite solid in the first half, and I think we looked worse when O'Shea came on. Um, you know, Dale Quire isn't a great ball player. Um, we miss Bayo when he's not there, and I think Alder Keel is probably the, the second best of the centre halves. So it seemed a bit of an odd one to take him off for O'Shea, who I think O'Shea would have been a, gr- a good Sean Dyche defender, but he's he can't play. He can't play with the ball at his feet. So while we've brought him in, I don't know. And then it, it brings you back to the other kind of big selection question mark that's hanging over us at the minute Murich or Trafford. You know, our whole man's above him pretty much Trafford the whole way through so far this season. Uh, I mean, I didn't think there was any chance of him not playing with the money he was spent on him, but I think that's the problem. Um, I think if he'd have cost us three or four million, he'd be on the bench now because he's not as good as Murich, I'm sorry to say. I think a lot of people have said it reminds them of the Joe Hart-Tom Heaton debate, and I think for that, Tom Heaton was clearly a level above Joe Hart, and that's why it was a bit strange that it took so long to get him in the team. It wasn't particularly that Hart was playing badly, it's just that he wasn't as good. For me, there's not as much between Murich and Trafford, certainly in, in terms of um, the, you know, the, the basics of goalkeeping, in terms of shot stopping. Although you have to say Trafford, is there any? can you think of many saves the season he's made where you thought that was really good, that saves a goal there? Me, not really. He's made some saves, of course, but nothing that you wouldn't have expected him to make, I don't think. He's worse than Murich coming off his line. Murich was really bad, obviously, first half of last season, but he did improve a lot, I thought, the second half. Trafford's just glued to his line. He's got no presence at all and the balls are coming into the box as we saw in the Luton game. And uh, and his passing, his range of passing is just nowhere near as good as Murich's. You know, he can he can pass it sort of five yards but it, it takes so long to do it. He needs two, three touches and it reminds me a bit of when Taylor played last year. It was He just slowed the attack down because he wasn't up to speed with the, the passing football we were playing. And It's the same for Trafford at the minute. And when you've got a man who's got a range of passing like Murich sat on the bench, you know, the second half we, we were just in, we couldn't get out and sometimes you just need a ball over the top you know we've got quick wingers you've got Kaliosha you've got Adebayo people who can run onto these balls um, and they're not it's not being utilised I don't understand why um, Foster I thought even his back to goal game was really good he held it up well the amount of times you want to flick onto himself um, so we, we can play that out ball but I don't think Trafford can so I think I'm, I'm on team Jorich now um, and I think he's probably in the you know, he's probably worth giving a go in, two, in these next couple of games and just see what kind of a difference, if any, it makes. Uh, last point on the selection is just the wingers. Again, I mentioned it was strange that Trezor got the nod and he certainly didn't justify the selection. Odebert did better. Um, and I, was, I, I wasn't against dropping Kaliosha. I think maybe just needed a bit of a rest. I'll just see what he's like coming off the bench as opposed to starting. But the two real omissions at the minute, um, Brun Larson, you'd be fuming if you were him. You know, you come off the bench at loot and you score that fantastic goal makes such a big difference and then you, you drop to the bench and you only get a cameo when the game's all over I, it can't be good for morale that because you'd be thinking what do I have to do to get a start and yeah, strange one and it's the same for Zorori you know one of our best players last season obviously you got that daffer against Man City um, you know if his name was Kovacic he could have done that twice and not get, got sent off but uh, since then he just hasn't had his chance at all you know he gets 10 minutes here and there he plays in that League Cup game and does really well albeit against poor opposition but I don't understand why he's not even on the bench. And company said, well, we've got a lot of players of a similar level, a similar level, but they're certainly not all getting a similar level of game time. So there's a lot to address, I think. Uh, I think company has has really got to get up to speed. I think he he is one of the problems right now. Uh, we know we know that the, the transfer window wasn't the best. I don't think there's a myriad of options that can come off the bench to really make the team better. So they've got to be coached better. The, the starting levels have got to be better, the subs have got to be better, the shape's got to be better, God, a lot's got to be better. Um, but we're hoping now a run of, sort of three easier fixtures, easier 
Uh, Bournemouth haven't had a good start. They're actually one of the few teams that are below us. Um, Brentford aren't the team they were last season. They've only won one game, same as us. And Palace at home, you can I can really see Hodgson doing in one company, but it's they're a beatable side. So you'd like to say we'll get something from that game. You know, if we get six, seven, uh, nine points, you know, from the next three games, then things are looking very different. But it's it's quite hard to be to be cheerful right now with the amount of sort of glaring problems that there are within the team. <laughs> Hopefully, Natalie and Robbie will uh, will have some more cheery uh, insights for you. 5 years or 100,000 miles whichever comes first. ProPilot is an advanced driver assist technology. Driver's responsibility to stay alert, drive safely and control vehicle at all times. Picture the scene. All of your mates around, you've got your McNugget share boxes ready to go. Partner this with your team playing champagne football. Perfect. Order McDelivery now on the McDonald's app. There's nothing quite like a McDelivery. At participating restaurants, 18 plus, serving times, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. Okay. Thanks, Tom. Poor Tom's down in the dumps at the moment. We need to drag him out of it. Tom's usually the eternal optimist, but he's, he's not been, he's not loving it, isn't Tom? We need to drag him out of this. Um... One thing then that I want to talk about, and given our goal difference and the amount of goals we shipped in this season, um, I guess there's a there's a couple of question marks. Firstly, like flip slightly more flippantly, but who the hell is coaching our defense? Because we've got a bit of a mess defensively at the moment. Again, in quite a shift as well, a culture shift from our previous regime that was very well known for being very, very well drilled defensively, unfortunately, at the expense of everything else. Um, but I'm gonna I'm going to have to raise it. And and this isn't necessarily us talking, listeners, but I am seeing a relentless barrage of question marks over our keeper situation. So we have to address it because that's what our listeners are talking about. There are significant calls now and voices over social media declaring that it is time for Murich to be brought back in. Um, and I, I think some of the comments, Robbie, have been that he was unfair to lose his position in the first place he should have at least been given a chance to show what he can do before Trafford was brought in and a lot of fans remain unconvinced yet that Trafford is is the right man for the job at this moment in time this is a real tough one because Murich is not perfect and if we all remember the early part of last season in the championship there were a lot of calls for Murich to be dropped and Peacock Farrell to be brought in so let's not completely um, wash over Murich's performances last season. There were a few um, conduct issues that we understand, behavioural patterns, and also a few Murich moments. Um, I guess without wanting to throw you completely under the bus, Robbie, but where where do you stand with that? What, what camp are you in? I'm still on the side of Trafford. Okay. I understand the logic. I understand the logic, and I understand the um, the cause for Murich because he wasn't. It was harsh on him because he did get better as the season went on. I think it's important to understand that pretty much all the goals we conceded, uh, sorry, Trafford can do nothing about them. Yeah, this is a very very similar situation to the eighteen uh, nineteen season when we had Joe Harting net, where yes. Joe Hart uh, he had. Again, all the goals he conceded could do very little about. Um, I seem to remember the the Palace game at Sellers Park. We lost the game two 0 If it wasn't for Joe Hart, it would have been like five or six fairly comfortably. Um, so there were calls then, very similar sort of like, oh, we want Tom Heaton back in, and Sean Dyche sort of rolled the dice, and he put Tom Heaton in for the West Ham game, and then I think we went eight or nine games undefeated after that, and ultimately it kept us up. Yeah. Um. 
So whether a company has to do something very similar where he's sort of chopped and changed his back four a few times, he's looked like he's found a stable midfield with Brownhill, Cullen and Burge. Again, rolls a dice and goes Murich just to give it a go. Let's just see what happens. Again, it might be the same, all problems, you don't know, but it does remind me of that 18-19 season of like heart yeah, and heat. And... Yeah, good point. I mean... I think one of the problems that we're facing as well is that, you know, Trafford's pulled out some really great saves. He's pulled out some moments of real brilliance, which are showing what the what the scouting network saw in him in the first place and why we've, we've taken that money out for him. Um, I don't... For me, it's really difficult because I personally don't feel like he commands his area that well, but then Murich doesn't either. So... I, I think for me, and this feels like a little bit of a lazy stereotype and a bit of a, a thing to say that because I don't really know what else to say with it. Because, uh, listen, I'm going to be honest with you, listeners. I, don't, I, I couldn't sit here now and, and tell you why specifically I'm not feeling Trafford and why I think Murich might be better. It's really difficult. It's a very close. It's like 50 and a half, 49 and a half. It's like, do you know what I mean? It's really, it's really very, very close. Um. What I do miss is the distribution and the part that Murich has to play in keeping the possession football. Um, We've not been able to keep possession a lot this season. Even against Luton, it didn't really go for us as much as we would have liked it to have done. And Murich is really key to that. He does distribute a lot better than Trafford does. Now, for that to work we do need that partnership of Bayer and either Aldekiel or Ekdal in the centre in the centre half position, neither of which we've got at the moment because of injuries. Um, but I do think there's a there's an element of a settled back four as well that isn't quite working at the moment. We've had to chop and change a lot. Um I guess I guess that's my final question to you then on the keeper situation, Robbie. Like how how impactful would Murich be able to be in a possession game in this league? Or Because if he isn't, does it really matter? The two very similar goalkeepers anyways, you know, it's the way we want to play. A ball-playing goalkeeper. You know, he pushed for Bruggen last summer. Yeah. Failed to get in. And then we... Where did we, he go we, in the end? He got to Brighton, hasn't he? Ah, of course. Yeah. So he's been playing really well for Brighton. So Brighton sort of <laughs> Brighton chop and chase their goalkeeper. I think it, for Bruggen plays the home games and Jason Steele plays their away games. Oh, that's interesting. Yeah, so it's again I thought that I was going to do something similar with like Ramsdale and Raya, but don't appear to be the case. Now no. obviously the yeah, company wanted for Bruggen last summer. He went for him again this summer. So you obviously saw Murich as a short term solution. Yeah. Obviously, obviously, again, with a fee we pay for Murich, was only about a million, two million pounds, yeah. something like that, which is pretty low money, in, even in this market now. And then we've gone out and you know broken our transfer record for Trafford, and we were prepared to do it for, for, for Bruggen as well. Yeah. So, you know, Murich is a number one. You no. know, we have to trust the company on that. Um, yeah, it's really tough. It is really tough. Have, from what I've seen of Murich, it's a horrible sort of comparison because what we've seen of Murich in the cup games against Forest and he was really good at Salford. It's weird to come. It's not fair to say. Well, Murich was really good at, at Salford. He even let's did put like him against the day. Let's, let's throw him in against Chelsea. It definitely work. <laughs> but oh, I, I think I think Murich has this to say it, Murich knows where he wants to play the pass. I think Murich is like a pass ahead, if that makes yeah. sense. I think when Trafford gets the ball, he wants to play a pass, but he's unsure on it. Yeah, he's thinking and then, of like one step back I think he's like, I think he knows the pass. He looks up and that pass isn't on. It's gone straight away. And I think Murich already has like a plan B in his mind. Yeah. So I think he true. has a bit more, a bit more certainty, whether it comes down to experience of playing at a higher level or something like that, I'm not sure. But, yeah, I mean, it's company's call at the end of the day. I understand the logic of having the calls for Murich to start against Brentford, but I don't think it will solve our problems. No, 
No, I agree. Hello, podcast listeners. We've got an extra little bit of content for you in this week's podcast from our very own George Poole. Now, as you know, George is chairman of the Claret Trust. And recently, the Trust awarded a honorary membership to John Francis for his efforts for the club, youth coaching after retirement, and in particular, his response to racism away at Plymouth in the 1994 playoff campaign. George presented John with this honorary membership ahead of the Manchester United game at the turf a couple of weeks back, and he sat down and chatted with John for a short while. And here is that conversation. We're here with John Francis with the Clarets Trust and the non Ever podcast, and it's our pleasure to, to be with you here tonight, head of the Man United fixture. So first things first, thank you for sitting down with us. No problem whatsoever. No I'm really looking thank forward to, uh, to speaking to you and uh, reflecting on your time at Burnley and also looking ahead to the game against Manchester United tonight. Mm-hmm. It should be a cracker. It should, yeah. I mean, um, it, it might be a good time to play Man United at the moment, obviously with the results, with the results going and them just playing in Europe as well. So it could be a good opportunity, hopefully, for Burnley to get the first, you know, the first win of the season. Absolutely. And the, the first thing that, that came to my mind when we walked in is how much Turf Moor must have changed since oh, since wow. you were a player. Wow. Can you... Massively changed. I mean, you know, there was a few bubbles on uh, when we used to play, uh, but also you look at the stand, the stadium now; it's just phenomenal. Um, and what they've done with it is, a, you know, it's second to none. Uh, you know, and it's 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 now up to a standard where you you, you know we say we are a top Premier League team. Yeah. Um, looking at the stands, I mean, it brings back memories having to run up and down the stands, <laughs> you know, the 12 minute runs we used to do and all sorts of things like that for with the club. Yeah, do you look, do you look sometimes with envy at the, the, what the players get never, nowadays? Or, never or do you never just... with envy, I think, yeah. you know, I think end of the day, it's, uh, players will always get what they're, you know, they're worth. And yeah. I, I've never begrudged a player getting what he can do in the game because it's a short living, so you, yeah. you know, you get what you can out of it as, as such, you know. Yeah. Because when, when they do, when it does come to a point that when they're going to end playing, yes. you know, it's it's a, it's a toss-up to say if they're going to get another career or not. Yeah, well, speaking of life after playing football, I suppose, yeah. um, you, you coach youth football in, in Yorkshire. I was speaking to I Rob uh, Porteous, yeah, and uh, do, you coach yeah. his daughter, actually. His daughter, actually, actually yeah. yeah. Uh, well, we set up about a year ago. Um, I've been doing, I've been coaching for, since, I, since I stopped playing. So I, I was at Burnley with the academy for six yeah. years and also at Leeds United Academy for seven years. Then uh, done the scholarships and uh, done first teams for non-league teams up at Brighouse Town and things like that. But um, for the last year, I've been doing the scholarship over at St Mary's and Ilkley Town FC. Uh, and also we set up a, a Wharfdale Grassroots Academy for the teams in and around the area, four yeah. teams over the Wharfdale district. So it's Ilkley, Burley, Geisley and Menston. And Rob's daughter plays <laughs> one of the teams. and. Um, it's um, so we've, we've done really well. We've been going a year. We've got over three hundred kids Fantastic. in the system set up. Um, all age groups, practically. We've got a couple of what we, we need to do this yeah. season. But you know, it's onwards and upwards at the moment. The scholarship's going really well, so you know, we're just progressing as such with it. So yeah. it's going really well. I, yeah. I was reading online that you've coached a few uh, future England players in your time. Fabian Delph well, among them. Yeah. Well, I mean, I was like I said, I was at Leeds, and yeah. we, had, we had some good players. Lewis Cook's been there. Fabian Delph, James Tavernier, you know, um, yeah. to name a few others. Um, I was at the club when Aaron were there, Aaron Lennon as oh, well. Oh, of course, so, yeah. But Aaron was a young kid, so yeah, <laughs> some, some good players have come through. We had a good, we had a good group, uh, coaching group at Leeds. Yeah. Um, and obviously, you know, things move on and you move yeah. on. Like, so, but yeah, we, we did have some real good footballers coming through. Yeah. yeah. Fantastic. Well, we've just passed the 20th anniversary, I believe. Yeah. Of- of, oh, it's the 30th anniversary wow. of the York, uh, the night at York in 1992. Yeah. Um, mm-hmm. Obviously, so I'm only tw- tw- 23 myself. Yeah. So I wasn't, I wasn't, I wasn't there, but, but I've, I've grown up watching the yeah, videos yeah, of that yeah. night at York. Yeah, my uh, my yeah. dad was there that night. Great and, uh, memories, great memories. Mayhem it looked in, in the away end. And we were just speaking yeah. before we, we met yeah. you tonight that there was even a, a fan who ran on the pitch and swam yeah. on a, li- a lilo yeah, in the middle Lilo. of the pitch. That was a game before us. That was, was it? That was the Carlisle game, wasn't Carlisle it? Game for that. that was the Carlisle game when before. When you should have well, should have won yeah. Up drawing that game for Carlisle, uh, and I promise God, probably the best goal of the season I've ever scored. You know, um, but yeah, uh, we ended up winning at York, and it was fitting, obviously, with um, uh, certain things that happened a few days before, and uh, young Ben uh, passing away. And, um, uh, 
we had to rearrange that game for the last game of the season and we ended up winning it due to that so yeah, yeah so it was um, good memories yeah good memories uh, to and of course it wasn't your only um, promotion season at the no, club uh, just no, no, two no. years later yeah. um, the run to Wembley yes um, and I suppose as the trust we were going to as part of honouring you tonight we really mm. wanted to reflect on the game at Plymouth well, because yeah. obviously that your response to the abuse you suffered that night was yeah, just yeah, yeah. in the yeah. most spectacular fashion yeah, yeah, and yeah. a really fantastic and em emphatic response yeah. to what happened it was an emphatic but uh, emphatic res response but I would have been in trouble nowadays if I would have done anything like yes. that. Now. So it's it's things have moved on. Things yeah. are more, you know, we've 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 learned a little bit of from from time gone on, um, and I don't think it gets ignored as much as it used to do. Racism and it's still there. It's still yeah. prevalent. Obviously, we see the situation with the England games and yes. and uh, with the lads uh, playing for England. Uh, you know, Saka's penalty miss where he's being abused afterwards. But yeah, it happened on that night where, you know, we, I was getting racial abuse from the crowd. Uh, every time I got the ball, I was running down the line and yeah. you could hear a uh, monkey chance coming. So when I scored, and it was probably, like I said, the wrong thing to do. I've turned and I've just wheeled and run <laughs> down the crowd and said, the monkey's just scored against you. But yeah, it's one of them things. It, it, we did it, and like I said, I don't think I'd get away with it in this year's day. Possibly. But a, a fantastic response, and wasn't your only fantastic celebration that night with the, the knobbly no, knees? That, that's I gone down where that come from. I have no idea where <laughs> You say you didn't practice that in training? It was sheer elation, I think. That was it. It was just sheer elation, hopefully, you know, seeing that. If we could see the game out, we've got a great chance. Uh, because I don't think anybody gave us a, a chance to win that game. That was the thing. We went down there. Uh, they'd all booked the coaches for Wembley and everything what I was hearing um, and I think that's uh, Jimmy put Jimmy Mullen um, just put the newspaper up saying you know their coaches are booked and on the, on the, that's all on the on the on the board in the in the changing rooms and I think yeah. that was enough for the players to think well let's see how we go there yeah you know we, we had a great response we had a good team at the time and the likes of um, you know I get applauded for the goal but we had some good players in that team Adrian Heath playing and uh, Ted McMahon, Warren Joyce was fantastic that night, you know. So, and and it it was fitting because we had some good footballers, but uh, you know we could win games as well. Then, yeah, you know, absolutely. So. Well, yeah. I'll just hand over to Andy and Simon for a couple of questions uh, before yeah, we finish. Yeah. That's okay. Yeah, um, just a couple of quick ones. Uh, yeah. Uh, who were your roommate when you went to oh the game? Oh my days. <laughs> who was my roommate? And, and how were you feeling before that game? I can't even remember. It was probably, let me think, who, who, who would it have been? Who would it have been? I'm trying to think if uh, Kurt Nogan was there, but I don't think Kurt was, was it? I don't think Kurt was there. Um, it, it might have been Andy, it might have been one of the young lads, you know. Yeah. Sure, yeah. Farrell, yeah. Andy Farrell. Yeah, it could have been Andy, something like that. The man who played in every position. Andy did, yeah. <laughs> Good lad is Andy. Uh, nowadays, you were, you were, you were the, probably the fastest player that was in the 90s. If you had to have a race now between Polly O'Shaw, Benson and yourself, who do you think can win? the other day, how quick is he? <laughs> <laughs> right? We were, we were just saying that the other day. Thinking, wow. I'm yeah. telling you. We had a race you between all yeah. three. Yes. Yes. It'd be interesting. It'd, uh, I love to have seen it, but I mean, yeah, he, he looks rapid, doesn't he? Yeah, yeah he, does. yeah, he looks unbelievable. Like, you know? <laughs> so nice to see they've got somebody with pace now, you know. <laughs> Benson, Benson, very good player. Yeah. I love Benson, yeah. Come inside a lot and, you know, they played him on the right side, coming inside. Played on the left coming inside and his right and scoring goals, so good player. Yeah, remember you doing that on one game, both coming over from left. Carlisle. Between beat two and no, Rudy in the top no. corner. Oh, Northampton. Northampton, yeah, yeah Northampton, yeah. So <laughs> those were the years, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well, we've just mentioned Fine. a few of the, the players who are, are active now in the Burnley side. Yeah. How do you... Uh, how do you look at the, the side that we've got now? Obviously, it's, it's a brand new system, a brand new a style brand new of play. System. Obviously, it's I watched a, a couple of games last season, yeah. and you know, it's quite remarkable that the improvement, yeah. the team, and what they've done for what Vincent had done for the last uh, year, you know, year, in that year it's yeah. come in. It's you know, it's it's quite astounding. I don't think any manager would have ever done that, you know. But the way they're playing is completely different to where you know, obviously, where they played with Sean. But if you look at what Vincent's done, he's, he's got players comfortable, 
brave on the ball, you know, uh, and a good winning element as well, you know, playing with a purpose. So Absolutely. Yeah, very good. Yeah. Uh, and finally, a score prediction for tonight, if you Today, will, John. Come on, 2 1 will do me. 2 1's goal scorers. Colliosha's got to have <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> If he can outrun John Francis, yeah, he's yeah. got to score against United. One from Colliosha, one from JV players. Yes. Uh, it'd be nice to see Jay Strong. Absolutely. Well, thank you very much, John. It's been a pleasure. All right. No and problem. congratulations on the game. Okay, let's finish off, Robbie. Um, 10 wins are going to be needed this season. We haven't got any bonus points off the um, five big teams that we played. I think we've got exactly the right amount of points that I was expecting at this point in the season four. So I don't think we're behind in points. I do think United at home was a missed opportunity. I think we could have beat them because they were poor. Um, And so we need to consider which teams this season we're going to get these bonus points from um, and where we get those 10 wins from. So taking into account that the older teams like your Newcastles and your Villas are now really, really tough to beat and are going to be up there at the end of the season. What what kind of teams are you expecting us to beat and do you think we can get those 10 wins to survive? I, I expect us to beat anyone because, you know, you can look like an idiot afterwards. But... <laughs> <laughs> I think, like I said it before, I think Bournemouth away is a must-win now, or yeah. a must-not-lose at least. I think Palace at home is a must-win just because psychologically we need to get that first home win on the board. Yeah. Um, I'm trying to think who we got after that. I'm trying to think if it's another winnable game after Palace. Uh, that's a good point, actually. Just give me a second. You carry I, on and I'm I'll get I'm not too it. sure. Uh, I've kind of... I try not to look too far ahead for Burnley results. You carry on talking and I'll get you... Uh... I'll get you the fixtures. Period. We sort of identified when the fixtures come out, sort of going, right, let's get those tough yeah. games out of the way. Yeah. And then we sort <laughs> then of like, right, one. let's use this period to actually see where <laughs> yeah. we are. So and because pop- we had the, yeah, sorry, because we've had the worst case scenario, we're all panicking and it's like, oh God, Brentford away. Oh God, yeah, we have yeah. to get something to Brentford away. And it's like, yeah. a Bournemouth away is a must win. And again, you sort of saw what Everton did to, Bournemouth at Goodison, it's like, yeah, they they're not it. very good then. So the next, well, they might be, they, they'll probably look at the same thing as us and go, exactly, oh, they're not very good either. <laughs> Let's get them. So we've got the, the next six Premier League fixtures. We've got Brentford at away, Bournemouth away, Palace at home, Arsenal away, and then West Ham at home and Sheffield United at home. So let's ignore that Arsenal one, but we have got five out of six very winnable games there: Brentford, Bournemouth, Palace. West Ham and Sheffield United. Or oh, then we play Wolves. Oh, and then we've got Brighton and then we've got Everton. You know what? Right up to the period, Christmas. Yeah, this yeah. is a really this is a really important period. And you know what? By the time we get to Christmas, we could be looking at a completely different landscape here. We really it's very difficult. I understand why fans are feeling a bit down in the dumps after the start we've had. But my goodness, we our season hasn't even really properly started yet. We, we wanted to wait till we got to this period and then see where we are. Um, and from the small sample size that we've seen at Forest away and Luton away, it has been fairly positive. It really has. So, again, it's just, like I said before, if we had lost the game against Chelsea 2-1, let's say we just had that mad five minutes in the second half, concede that penalty, lose to a penalty, and it's like, well, we lost to Chelsea through... A fluky on goal, which nine times out of ten goes out for a corner, Ew. and a, and, a, and a, a, a rash decision by Vitinho to hack down Sterling because he got the better of him. Yeah, and it's like good. okay, it's like again, it's sort of like we've lost the game where we can really do, and it's like capitulated after that moment it's sort of like it's all doom and gloom again it's like it's just Spurs and Villa all over again where we just look very disjointed we don't look anywhere near the side that we saw for you know for certainly that second half of last season where we absolutely steamrolled teams week in week out yeah no I think that's fair so Let's. I thought that was red wine then, Robbie. I was like, my goodness, Robbie's really is getting very depressed. <laughs> it's like Monday night drinking club. I, I was like, okay. I, I, couldn't, I couldn't lie and say it's vodka, but it is only water. <laughs> it's like Monday night drinking club. Um, okay, well, let's leave it there. I think that is um, our thoughts of where we are right now. 
I think um, we have to now see where we are for the next six games. Um, I think we'll wait and see what happens with the keeper situation. Um, but hold your nerve, Clarets, because we've been here before and we only need to get to 17th. And even if we don't get to 17th and we go down again, we are building something really like key at Burnley. We've got a management and a coaching side that are impressive. We've got a really exciting young group of players who will learn and who will improve. So let's let's see where we get to. We're going to have a preview show and look ahead to uh, Brentford this weekend and then we'll uh, come back to you after that and see where we are. Thank you, Robbie. Thank you, Tom. Thank you, Charlotte. Um, and yeah, we will check in with you next week. So stay strong, Clarets. And drop us a line. Let us know how you're feeling. I've been Natalie Bromley. This has been the Known and Never podcast. Until next time. The Known and Never podcast is brought to you in association with the TalkSport Fan Network. Our host and editor is Natalie Bromley and the show is produced by Matt Moss. Our resident statistician is Dave Roberts and our FPL expert is Adam Dennett. The analysis show team is collectively Tom Whitaker, Rich Steele, George Poole, Charlotte Rigby and Adam Dennett. Our music is provided by George Gaskell and our newsletter team is headed up by Jamie Smith. If you don't already, you can subscribe to our newsletter by visiting nonenever.substack.com. Thanks as ever go to our partners TalkSport. We are proud to be associated with the TalkSport Fan Network. Away days are great, but there's nothing quite like playing at home. The same goes for McDonald's. Maximise your home ground advantage with McDelivery. Order now on the McDonald's app. At participating restaurants, 18 plus serving times, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. And there it is. That's as good as it gets on this stage. Nissan Townstar EV strikes again. It's an unstoppable van. Unstoppable. Look, just fantastic. You can actually see the ProPilot technology in action. Effortless parallel parking. It moves with all the confidence that comes with a five-year warranty. And with a bench full of all-star van experts, there's real strength in depth here. That's all-star quality. Search Nissan Townstar EV and visit your local all-star van centre to see for yourself. Terms and conditions apply. Five years or 100,000 miles, whichever comes first. ProPilot is an advanced driver-assist technology. Driver's responsibility to stay alert, drive safely, and control vehicle at all times. This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans.